Welcome to the Jeff Gross Podcast. This episode is brought to you in partnership with Party Poker. Go to PartyPoker.com to play tournaments, cash games, and improve your poker game. Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes. All right. Hello, everyone. We are joined today on the podcast by Mr. Sam Trickett. Sam is over in the UK. Sam, how's it going? It's going good, man. Yeah. Um, just relaxing at home. Not been playing much poker. A little bit online the last few days, but uh, been taking it I love, I love you saying that much poker. You're just fresh off the second place <laughs> for a bracelet over in where what, it was at uh, Kings. Well, Rosa, tell me about that a little bit. How did that go? Um, yeah, it was nice. It was uh, nice to have a deep run. Uh, don't play too many tournaments anymore, but it was nice to get a deep run. Remember what it feels like to get down to the crunch time. It was exciting playing for a bracelet as well. Bracelet on the table for the third time and still didn't get there. But, uh, you know, it's, uh, you can't grumble at these things. I took the result uh, before I even went into the final, never mind before the tournament. So can't really complain in an all-round like, good tournament. Yeah, see, I, I saw you got second to Kali Burns. Very tough player. Uh, how, you, you have three seconds at the World Series. Uh, you're known for second place in the big one for one drop to Antonio. I remember I was there for that. That was pretty exciting. That was at the time the he biggest. Was on the other side, right? You There's not many people I'm going to root for ahead of you, but yeah, I was, uh, yeah. was on there on that side. But that was a ten million dollar score, second place. That was back in 2012. What what other events did you? You said you got three seconds in WSOPs. Uh, yeah, I got second in a 5K, yeah, 2010 maybe. But this was uh, the one that I really thought I was going to win because I was playing really well back then, picking up chips. Uh, it was actually a really tough final table back then. Um, I can't yeah. remember all the players, but it was really tough. And I got heads up with uh, uh, Richard Lind, not Richard Lindica. Sorry, that's it. You know, he's just passed away. Uh, I forget all the names. I don't know. You know what I'm like. Um, but I, I had a really tough final table back then, and I got a bit unlucky heads up. And that World Series, I went on to have a few more deep runs, and it really felt that was the year that I was going to win a bracelet. Now it's like nine years ago, <laughs> so it's been a long right. time coming to get heads up for a bracelet again. And uh, yeah, I was a bit disappointed, but you know what? Like Kale player, Kale uh, Burns was playing really good poker throughout the tournament. I played a lot with him. I was on his table most of the time, and he probably deserved to win over everyone, to be honest. So. Nice. Well, yeah, I mean, seconds, seconds are, they're annoying, but they're still, they keep the lights on and uh, you obviously don't just play tournaments, you play cash games as well. I want to kind of give a rundown for those that aren't familiar with you. We're going to look at your hen and mob dating back. You started, I believe, playing poker in 2005, but tell us a little bit about your pre-poker, kind of growing up, what it was like for you just in general and where you grew up and also how you did get into poker. Because I know you were, you played football professionally at a high level. Uh, growing up. So tell us a little about that, what it was like growing up in the UK and, and sort of your path to, to start into poker. Yeah, I grew up uh, in a village, probably about 500 people, and there's like not a lot to do there at all. Not many people my age, so there was literally not, you know, not much to do outside of play football, go out and entertain myself. Uh, there was a local pub, so and that was about it where, with the pool table in. So my childhood looked something like playing football on my own against the wall, practicing. Uh, I loved football, so that stimulated me at the time. Uh, and then I was like, when, when I came, uh, turned 14, I uh, started playing pool uh, in the local pub and I could get in there. And uh, I enjoyed that too. That was challenging. I always liked uh, things that I could improve quickly at. Pool's a fairly simple game and I could improve pretty quickly at that. And um, yeah, I just got carried on uh, playing those two things, putting everything into those, kind of like what I did with poker when I finally got into poker. I just 
if I do something, I normally do it like um, 100%. Like I uh, skew it everything and get quite obsessive with things and want to be the best version of myself I can in that uh, particular thing I'm doing. So, and then, yeah, there was, there was a gambling machine in the pub, actually. Do you know slot machines? Yeah. Do you know, like, through machines. And I used to watch that like from a young age and I would like monitor it and I'd watch how much money was going into it. And then I'd figure out when it was ready to pay out. And then I would just jump on it and keep making money off these slot machines to the point like where I got banned off it. And then I'd go around other slot machines and I'd figure out some like cheats and little tactics on how to beat these machines. And it like kind of introduced me to gambling. And that's like where it all started in terms of gambling for me. Cause my dad's like never had a bet in his life. My mum doesn't. So it was a, uh, it found me from the pub basically. Um, and then it, my friend introduced me to poker and that like appealed to me more cause it was like a skill game, uh, where I could gamble. So I could do both something where I could get better at it and, uh, gamble and get the buzz I was chasing as well. So, um, that's just how it found me. Yeah, I was quite lucky, really. But and you're so you're when you started playing football, you were you were playing on a. How did that work? So you were in a youth team, like a local team, and then you moved on to a premiership youth team, or how, how does that go about? Well, that? When, when I was like ten or nine, I was really good at football. Like I was always like the best player in the school, and I was like getting trials for Nottingham Forest from the age of like nine and ten. And it's quite hard to get trials where I'm from because there's not many clubs. It's the middle of nowhere, so I was doing pretty well. Uh, I had a pretty bad attitude from that age till about 14, 15, and I was like always just assumed that I was going to make it pro because I was always the best player when I played in the teams and I represented the league. And then I got trials for uh, Sheffield United, started playing for Sheffield United for a little bit. Um, and then they would say to me that, you know, they put me on the bench a bit and saying, you can turn up, but you can play on the bench. And I was like, it just back then I was just like not interested. I was like, had a bit of a ego, thought I was better than what I was and, had a bad attitude and I didn't really give it my all. And it kind of knocked my confidence a little bit because I had trials for Forest from when I was 10 and they, they said no. And at the time I was like, oh my, it's over. That was my chance of being a professional footballer at 10. I didn't ever, never dealt with rejection. So that kind of like knocked my confidence a bit and made me like give up a little bit mentally and like a bit, a bit unsure, and which made me want to not try and fail. Um, but then, you know, from 16, I got my shit together when I realised, you know, what I needed to. Started playing, started practicing, got really good. And then I was playing for like Redford United first team where they pay you like, you know, I think I was getting 60 quid a game or something like that. But uh, paying that uh, uh, and yeah, then I got injured. I was getting looked at by a few clubs then as well. And then I just snapped my cruciate ligament in a cup final. Um, and it was kind of like my own fault too. Like I, uh, the guy was a really good player, was 1-0 down with five minutes to go and I was chasing the ball down and just like crunched this player and I like, did my own and Never really went back from that year, so it was uh, it was pretty disappointing because it was what I was going to do is like what you know what I'd planned to do. I'd always set out to do that, and then uh, that was it. Dream was over, and that was difficult. Damn. So, in right away though, how how did poker then come into play? Was that was that something you were already sort of doing, or this is literally? I didn't know when you wanted me to stop. I felt like I was talking for a long time, so I'll just keep running with it if you want. Yeah, yeah. But, yeah so basically, I was playing football, and I was play I was working as well a little bit doing like some odd jobs like scaffolding and gas engineer work just to try and get money in and then I was doing a bit of poker as well as football and a bit of work and I was just and even a bit of pool I was just doing a mixture of everything um and I was doing them all poorly do you know what I mean I wasn't doing like one particularly as well as I could have done because I was diluted with you know everything I was doing and it got to a point where I realized that and then I decided, decided to give up pool just because there was no money in it I went to the world championships at pool I played a guy, he was way better than me anyway. Um, I was still young, but uh, I felt like I could have 
climbed up the rankings, if you like. But I played this Chris Mellon, who was like world number one. And speaking to him, he told me he got 10 grand for winning the world championships. And I was like, well, he's way better than me. One of the best curious I've seen. And like, all, all that work I've got to do for the 10 grand. I almost immediately stopped playing pool at that point. And then I was like, right, let's put everything into poker. And he kind of like just transferred all, 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 you know, all that obsession to poker. And, yeah. and then I would be like lose, using my wages to, to play and lose it sometimes, run it up sometimes doing a really poor job of going to work, like thinking about poker all day whilst trying to do, like, you know, uh, think about poker whilst trying to do my job was just terrible. Late nights, I'm sure a lot of people have been through that way. You're trying to do both and it's just grueling. And I got to a point where I was like, you know what, I've got a few quid in the bank. Uh, I'm going to give it a go at uh, poker full time. So were you, did you get, did you, you play live, but were you online at this time? Did you put some money online and were messing around online too? Or was this just fully live? I started playing on CryptoLogic. I don't know if you remember that. And then Party Poker, these were the sites I started playing on back then. So I played a bit of cash. Um, well, I was doing a bit of both, really. Testing myself in casinos, then testing myself in, like, sit and goes. And I would, like, almost climb the stakes, then get smashed up at the higher stakes, like taking shots, and then go back down. And you sometimes go broke and then wait for my wages to build up, then go back in. And it was like... I enjoyed it. I was always figuring out what's going wrong. And, uh, but I always did seem like I won more when I played live um, than online. But online was just a quicker way and a quicker platform to get quick, uh, better quicker because back then there wasn't really trading videos. Yeah, actually, I started online on Party Poker as well. I think it was 2003 or four with like 50 bucks. They had to refer a friend. You could transfer the money around. And I, I mean, I must have been... I don't know what age I was, like 18 or 17. I forget, but it was it was definitely, I remember that Party Poker was the original site. It's kind of cool. We both both endorsed ambassadors for Party Poker now. Kind right. of circle. Romantic. So, so romantic. <laughs> yes, the right, yeah, the right place to be. Um, looking at your hand and mob, very interesting that your first ever tournament, I was taking a peek. Do you remember the first tournament you ever played or cashed? Is it the 100 pound? I do remember, yeah. Yeah, hundred pound the dollar at Nottingham. Yeah, hundred pound, and you took first. I mean, that's pretty cool. Like your first ever cash to just take first. That's you know a little bit. This is the tournament. Yeah, so the guy that comes third, James Green, is yeah. like one well, usher at my wedding. He's one of my best friends. Um, oh, and Chris Sly, uh, who was eighth, he was a uh, the best man at my wedding. Um, so we never played a big tournament as big as £100. We used to play like 50s and 20s. And we was like this uh, gala championships coming up. And we was like, let's all play it. And we all drove together in the same car. And we all made the final table. Uh, wow. So that was like pretty memorable night in my poker career, actually. Uh, because it was like professionals in this tournament as well. I'd never played with professionals. I just played at the local casino. And I remember like Barney Boatman being there. And playing on my table, and I was like, he's Barney Boatman, man. Like, I want to play with him. And like, I was in awe of him. Uh, and it, this was the first time I tested myself at Monk's Pros. And then, like, obviously, I come first. So I was like, walking out there, feeling really confident and wanting to play again. And then there was a few days after, there was like a five, uh, 200 or a 500. What was it? Is it on there? 500 pound next result? I can't there's one that, There's one for five. Yeah, the main yeah, event. Yeah, because right? yeah, I took yeah. a shot in the 500 pound one like the very next day. I thought, oh, I'm ready. And I cashed it, got my 500 back. But I, uh, yeah, and then I was like, from that on, where I'd feel like I'd test myself at a higher level, I went around to playing like Luton tournaments, like 300 pound side events and other, other events. And I kept getting deep runs. And when, when I got knocked out, I was getting unlucky. So it just like motivated me to want to play more and bigger and higher. Did, did you, do you feel that that, would do you think it would have been different? Obviously, butterfly effect, whatever. Like, if you taken second, third, cash, not cash, like, did this kind of get you the bug? Or, I mean, it was just you love poker. I literally had the bug by then. Do you know what I mean? Right. By then, I, yeah, 
I'd already had the bug by then. Like, I played a £10 tournament. The second time I ever went to a casino, I played a £10 tournament. I won it for £1,000. I think from that moment, I was hooked because I'd always played with my friends and I knew I was better than all my friends. But when right. I first got myself in a casino for £10, I, I won it for £1,000. I was like, wow. And then it was like, I was kind of hooked from then on because... I, in my mind back then, like the casino was where all the best players in the world was. That's what like professionals, and that's how you tested yourself. I didn't even really know about the tour as such back then, or you know the circuits, or these big tournaments. That was right. just I thought you, know, you wanted to play against the best players. You played casino, so right. I was hooked already. Right then. <laughs> Excuse me, I got a little cold here. Like, like you just said, if you if you like start any new game uh, and don't get any results, and it goes bad to start off, it can kind of put you off, right? Uh, yeah. But like. Poker's not quite the same. It's like there's skill in it, and um, you can make decisions and make good decisions and learn from them. So, uh, I guess I'll make it and that's why I was hooked rather than the results. So we see, I see the Hen and Mob here, kind of taking a walk down the the well, over a decade ago. But then you're first out of the out of your home country of the UK. You go to the US, and it looks like you do score a nice fourth place at the World Series. So this is like. A year later, roughly, from when your first uh, win there, you got 245K for fourth. What was that like? Was that, that was your first time to the Vegas? Yeah, my first time to Vegas. I think I had like a $20,000 roll, just turned 21, I think. And then I uh, was like, let's go for it. And then I was playing the World Series, and I was booked on to go to a stag do, actually, to Barcelona. Uh, I can't remember the dates, but like the same day as that 250K, I was with my friends in the house, sharing the house. And I was supposed to leave the day before the, that 5k six max all my flights were booked and everything and 5k was a big tournament for me anyway i have been uh, i've just won actually the 1k monday on full tilt like three days before um before this event so i boosted my bankroll massively that was like eighty thousand um, dollars right. so now i want to stay and play some bigger events um and so i skipped the stag do because i just really fancied these playing this few tournaments and i skipped it and i came fourth in that tournament um yeah, and uh, that was the moment where it was like, you know, I played the World Series, I played one of the toughest events in a 5K6 max. Um, and, you know, I felt like I did really well. And it was like, having a bracelet back then was like very rare in England. I think it was like Praz, Banzi and uh, the Devilfish, but they only had one. So I got so close and I'd had like a pretty big score for an English player. Uh, and that really motivated me as well to want to keep playing more and more. Yeah, you did mention Richard uh, Leidecker, who, who did pass away. Very sad, yeah. but I thought he did take second. That maybe that's what you were you were thinking. Yeah, that was, yeah, yeah, that was the one. Yeah, Played yeah. So, yeah, that was yeah. the one. I played in. Yeah, he'd, that was the one. I get a few mixed up. Like there was another one later on, the five k. Later yeah. on, second for a yeah. race. Sad news, uh, Richard. Very nice guy. Sorry to hear about that. Of course, that's never. Uh, yeah, I mean that's crazy, right? Yeah, like you were. Yeah, I didn't know him too well, so I've got the, the best opinion. But he was always polite, and he was a great player. And uh, you know, yeah. I've heard good things, so it must have been For a nice sure. Yeah, and uh, so gonna moving forward, though, you go, you're still playing. At this point, when you get into the big cash games, because you're known and sort of playing the highest stakes in Macau and sort of finding that that niche at the time, you know, there was a there was a couple-year period where maybe more, where I remember even some uh, from my circle in America, there were guys, you know, Rast and uh, Phil Locke, they were going over and they would talk about these crazy games in Macau and it was just insane. So you were kind of there. How did you get hooked up into that that scene from, was that something you were one of the first from? Did you hear about it and went over there? How, how did that work and when was that? Yeah, so after um, I had those results, um, the 1K Monday and the 6 Max, I started playing like higher, got really too big for my boost, made a bit more money like 1G, KB2, Luton, 
had like three or four hundred K roll, which was huge back then. And then I just lost it all. Um, by being stupid, making bad decisions, helping friends out, staking people I shouldn't have. Um, I was very naive back then, wanting to do people uh, favours and help them out, and it cost me a lot of money. Um, and then I went broke, and I was running out of options. And funny enough, my girlfriend, well, my fiance, I think she was, yeah, back then. No, she was just my girlfriend back then. Left me as well. She was like, I've been with her since she was 16, so I was like, had no money left. <laughs> my faces were still on the magazines. Like Everyone thought I was rich, and back then, like I was just too insecure or... Yeah, to uh, dishonest to tell people what had actually happened. I was too ashamed. Uh, so then I had just like had no choice. So I went. James Board offered me like a staking opportunity um, to be staked. Well, if I coached his players and he had a poker farm, if I coached his players and I went out to Cape Town, and uh, when he started Cape Town, town. Cape Town, yeah, it's beautiful, man. Like it's the best place. Yeah. Like, I loved it. It's like it means a lot to me because it's where I like um, started from the big, the bottom again. And, I had to pick myself back up and go through like really, that's I, I've been to South Africa. I have not been to Cape Town. I heard it's ridiculously beautiful. So, so you were literally you went and, and dear, you didn't have you were sort of technically broke or whatnot. Yeah, no, were, I, remember, I remember having like three and a half thousand pounds right left it to wow. my name, but three grand it was my overdraft and I was counting it as to my name. I had five hundred pounds. I was thinking about playing a three thousand pound main event at London. I was actually seriously considering it because I like fancied my chances, but I was like, I can't, I need it to live. And then I was like, right, now, now I really am fucked, basically. I don't know what I want to do. And then, um, you know, someone reached out to me who liked the way I play and had some results and asked me to go to Cape Town, but I didn't know him. So it was like such a big move, but I didn't really have any other options. And I was like, you know what, my girlfriend's broke up, why not? Let's go there. Uh, and went there, and it was the best thing I ever did, to be honest. Wait, and so then, when, uh, when, was it, when was this exactly? Uh, what year? Eleven, maybe I could go wrong. Two thousand nine. No, it, it can't. Was it eleven? Yeah. Sorry, two thousand and two thousand six. Oh, yeah, two thousand six. Okay, so this was before. This was like before the uh, tournament score. That that one before the one hundred pound tournament win. And like that, that starter was it after? I don't know, man. I never. This is historical timeline here. We got to It's all the same thing. I mean, I never look at the dates. Like May, it's May, May two thousand seven was when you had that hundred pound win. So I just want to understand if it was after, like after the GUKPT Lewin win, whatever year that was. Tell you what, it's on my wall. <laughs> I'll tell you now. Get it right, Sam. I want to, this is important. All right, tell sorry, but your journey. September 2008. And so it was 2009 when I uh, went to Cape Town. All right. So you go to Cape Town. And so tell what's that like? You just show up there to South Africa and you're just like, all right, I'm here to teach some guys. And that's, that's yeah, like. People I don't really know either. So I was like living in a nice area, to be fair, and I had like a nice apartment. So instantly I was like, wow, this place is amazing. Uh, it was difficult because I had a lot going on in my mind. But it was a big learning curve for me to go there on my own, maybe a little bit more independent and deal with uh, my problems and where I've gone wrong and just analyse my decision making and how I got to where I was. So uh, it's quite therapeutic in a way, a lot of thinking time on my own, but also like it was um, a platform for me to now start building and try and get myself back, uh, and playing well and making money again. But Bordy was staking, giving me like 2k a month salary and then it'd be staking me in a £5, £5 £10 game. Um, yeah, and that was like kind of like my bread and butter. Um, so I built it up and he agreed to give me like um, $30,000 World Series package to stake me, um, and yeah, I had to play satellites to get into some of the bigger events, and that's what I did. I went to the World Series that year of 2010, right? Yep. 
yeah, and then it's just, I was playing really well since then. I've played thousands and thousands of hands, probably playing like 7,000, uh, sorry, 70,000 hands a month in uh, Cape Town on average. Like, so I just really improved a lot and I was speaking a lot about poker in a way I never had. And uh, that's when it all started. That was when I was playing a lot better than I'd ever played and I'd learned a lot. I'd got more experience with bank model management. So this was like when it all kind of started for me. And I went to yeah. We got yeah, it. We got it. I had a good World Series and cash for like a million, maybe, was it? I don't yeah, know. Yeah, 500k second in that one. Yeah, that was the one. That, yeah, I thought I was going to win the race. Played really well in that final. I just got unlucky towards the end. But um, yeah, I had a big score that, that World Series. I cashed for, I don't know, 800k or something, maybe 900. Chopped it up with Bordy and then I had my bankroll back again and that's kind of went on my own. But it was like when we went back to Cape Town, because you obviously asked me about Macau and I'll jump forward a little bit. Uh, but this is why I was in Cape Town one day and we read up all these um, big cash games in Macau. I think it was John Duanda, Phil Ivey, Tom Duan um, was playing out there. And Bordy said to me, I can take a huge piece. I can stake you in this big game if you want to go out there and play. And I remember him like saying, we'll put you on a first class flight all the way out of there. And I was like blown away. I'd never flown first class by that point. And then I was like flying first class to play in one of the biggest games in the world with like Phil Ivey, Tom Duan. And for me, I was just, it was like a bit of a dream, like a bit surreal, like what the fuck is going on? <laughs> like I've just been going like broke playing, you know, five ten, you know, six months or a year ago. And then it's like, it's all taking off. And obviously I was fortunate where, you know, I made my backers a lot of money every time they'd invested in me. I'd worked hard and I was playing well and they was um, confident in investing in me. So that obviously helps a lot. Um, but I was also willing to risk my own money in these, these spots as well so um, took some high risk do you know what I mean but it was uh, all, I went there and I didn't know anyone that's the kind of stuff I thought this is you remind we have very there's some similarities in our journey with cash and high stakes and sort of randomness to getting put into kind of getting some games and opportunities I think it's a good example about poker mm -hmm. why it's just not normal like it's it's such a different lifestyle or different there's there's so much Things that like if someone asked me, you know, would you want to be a make maybe more money being a hedge fund something or trading or doing other stuff like the the experiences, the journey, the the people I've met through poker. I just have so much fun. The whole thing like this is the kind of stuff like this story is like so random, but so powerful. And it's really shows that you control your own destiny. You can do hard work. You can put yourself in good opportunities. You're always on interview. And, you know, here you are. You create something out of nothing that leads to. You know, you're in South Africa, you're in Vegas playing, you hit some scores, and that next thing you know, you're, you're mixing it up at the forefront of some of the highest stakes in the world with the biggest names in poker. I mean, that, that to me is fascinating and, and very cool. I'm glad we, we could get the uh, dates kind of sorted out. <laughs> yeah. You're all about the dates, man. <laughs> yeah, sorry. Probably should have looked into it, but I don't really talk about my past too much, to be honest. No, don't bring up too much. Today, like, today we're getting, we're bringing it out, some of it. So, yeah. all right, so you go there and you still have to win. So you get your business class, you're going over, you're kind of living the dream. You show up, it's a different culture. You're in, I've been to Macau, I've played there. I mean, it's a different world, right? Like you're there, people don't speak English. You're kind of, you're just in, in the middle of like Vegas of, of Asia. What was that like for the first time? Like you go sit down and you just like, I mean, what, tell me about that first initial getting settled in there. Yeah, because I went there and I wasn't like definitely getting a seat in the game. I never really liked, say, networked or to get into a poker game. Or like had to do that because I'd, I'd only ever played tournaments, really. I just walked into a casino. I'd never been to a private game. And 
I don't even think it was. Well, it wasn't private back then, but they, it wasn't allowed to be private, but they did like turn a blind eye to like the Western players. Um, but I just thought I'd go there, take my chances. Um, I ended up partying quite a bit back then. Uh, used to love going out and drinking. And I met a, a few of the boys that was in the game, like Paul Poir, Richard Young and Winifred. Um, I ended up partying with quite a bit. And eventually they like, said to me, come and play. You can play in the game. Um, and I said, yeah, why not? So I went and played. It went really well. Um, yeah, I won like my nine, nine out of my first 10 sessions there in the biggest game I'd ever played. So I was like pretty lucky to go on a nice run to start off with, take some pressure off when you're playing high stakes. Like. Um, and I didn't know how I was going to be able to cope with the swings. Um, you know, losing a big, big amount of money. Yeah, it would have, would have, it was is difficult. So it was like to get off to a good start was always key, and then like I had a little buffer in case I went behind. But yeah, so it was it was crazy. I remember like playing in pots with like Tom Duan for like seven figures regularly, and Ivy, and I'd never played poker with him before, and it was just like a huge test again, playing in the biggest games, the biggest stage for the best players, and I I come out on top again, and it was like I was just feeling really proud to be honest, and it was a hard to process what was actually going on. So, so, what, but was that uh, that was late 2010 then? Because I see 2011. That's kind of where you really, you know, burst on with some some major major seven figure scores and whatnot. But was this like winter time? Like, what what time was it in 2010? Because you hit the scores in January of 11. So was it, it was before that? Uh, sorry, I'm just have to jog my memory. I think it might have been after the after the uh, Aussie Millions. Oh, so maybe you had those. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So, 2011 you had a good 2010 you had the score in the summer you're you're doing well yeah. things are good you go you go to australia you hit first place in us was that your first time in australia yeah that was my first time in australia um hold on was- time out sam next time you play for the first time in a country I, maybe i get like a, a little friendship by a piece every every tournament in the new country that's new you just take first so this was a this was a Another big one not this was not a hundred pound this was a hundred thousand buying tournament first time you show up in australia and you win 1.5 million yeah that was pretty ridiculous yeah because it was the biggest tournament i'd ever played as well so it's obviously very fortunate to take a shot in a big tournament like that and then obviously run as well as i did um and that's obviously a part of uh the luck and why where i am where i am but it's uh yeah it was pretty again like surreal and I keep using the same word I can't think of another one but like it was I didn't really take it all in back then I was just literally just doing and moving to the next tournament testing myself moving up big game big game but you know it's uh it's you need a lot of luck in poker and when you you also need to be able to take a lot of risks some people don't some people like you know look after what they've got and don't challenge themselves enough but I was always trying to be aggressive and push myself up the stage and play in the biggest games and bigger and be aggressive with like even my bankroll like to keep being uh, being aggressive and I, I truly felt that I had like a big edge over everyone back then um people was playing quite face up and transparent and it's like I kind of knew what they had almost every hand and it was like it's, it just seemed like I had this massive edge and to be honest back then I thought this is going to be around forever so <laughs> because these players have been around for the last 10 years playing poker and I really thought that you know, it's going to be around forever. Sports the I was just fine. Let's just cash in, uh, keep playing, keep playing as much as I can, and that's what I did. So I uh, just kept playing. I see the next day or the next tournament, you take first and then you take second for one point three million in a two fifty k buy-in. So I mean, you kind of you really are just like it's like parlaying. You're just you're you're in the right spots. You're playing now the biggest, even higher, higher. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> crazy so you I hit that five, five to one chip lead going heads up to win that tournament as well against eric Seidel. you had a five to one lead 
Yeah, so it looked like I was going to do the double and uh, didn't go well. Like, I didn't play that good. You know, I, I don't think I'm very good heads up, if I'm honest. Like, I've had a few seconds now where I've looked back and I could have played better. And to be honest, I haven't had much experience playing heads up either. Um, so it's something I need to work on. Um, but, like, yeah, I, I always feel like when I walk away from my heads up matches, I could have played better. So I was really disappointed when I... Um, didn't finish the job in the 250k. I remember ringing my dad and I was upset and he was like saying, well, congratulations. And I'm like, nah, I wasn't, I wasn't happy even though with the two results because I knew that I hadn't played my best. Um, and that was what I was, I was always so obsessed with doing. Like, if I, I was so um, focused on performance. If my performance was right, I knew the results would come too. And it's like, uh, yeah, I didn't quite play my best. So I kind of blew it heads up as well. And, and not to get in, I don't. I really don't want to focus on the personal stuff uh, too much. But just you said your your girlfriend broke up with her. You broke up as a you got when you went to South Africa. Were you back together now? Because you, I know you were at one point. Is this? Did you have the same girlfriend? She, she, she wanted to get back after the Aussie Millions. <laughs> ah, okay. All right. Yeah, you got a you got a phone call. Some distant cousins and exes. yeah, yeah, yeah. All of a sudden, she fell in love with me again. Huh? Oh man. <laughs> Okay. She was with me before I had any money to taste that. I was only having a joke, but it was uh, yeah. <laughs> it was a coincidence, maybe. Nice. All right. Well, so you got so you get back, you hit some scores, and that makes sense as well. That then you go to Asia, like it's one thing to head over to those biggest cash games in the world, just kind of cold turkey. But you get an extra like what two two and a half million U.S. dollar boost there, and then you and then from there it sets over that part of the world. You just went in 2011. That's when you sort of you just head over to Macau. From Australia, yeah. So yeah, um, from Aussie Millions is when I really had like a big bankroll injection, and then I was like wanting to play in the biggest games all the time now, so, full of confidence, playing well, and just wanted to try and capitalise on that while I could. And uh, I went out to Macau and played in these games, and it was going well. It was going really well. Uh, I had some played some sick pots though. I'll never forget, and I'm not sure I'll play you know pots as big as that ever again. But um, you know, some pots stick with me that'll uh, taught me a lot as well. You know, life skills as well as um, just on the poker table. Do you know, like getting smashed up in like massive pots. Do you know, huge pots, and then like getting two outed for like you know, two point five million pound pot got two outed one cut to come, and I was like. It's just like gut wrenching, and it's like it teaches you how to deal with like adversity and big losses, and it like almost helps you like outside of poker with dealing with uh, controversy and adversity and like um, bad things in your life. It's just it, you know it just it did teach me a lot playing these massive stakes and high stakes, and you know once you start losing big pots like that, it's like you go everyday things that you know just doesn't rattle you as much as you know he maybe would have done before. It's like it's really really is difficult to. Uh, uh, be emotionally attached to big high pots and um, I got to a point where I kind of am now but you have to kind of <laughs> go through the pain in order to get where I am now basically and that's what I felt like I did for me playing such high games for sure we do have questions guys we're going to give a $55 ticket on Party Poker Way if you want to go to Twitter and ask Sam a question we are going to leave some time towards the end here to go through I've seen a lot of interesting questions already literally could do a podcast off the questions on there but we're going to Keep it rolling here. We're going through the kind of history of Sam. I do want to just scroll up. Well, before we, it looks like you got your revenge in the Aussie Millions. Anyway, you did take first in that two fifty k a couple of years later. So you did. You did yeah, check yeah. that off the yeah other yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Nice. So you got that one done. And but before that, I do want to talk about the Partouche win because I remember this was a big event. I think there was some cheating scandal there, maybe or something happened yeah. later on. 
But so, yeah, I remember it was like a marquee event. You know, they were getting really big numbers and it was a crazy deal. Um, but this is actually a big difference because winning the 100K, a two, 200K, 250K, you know, you got backers, stakers most likely are different things. But on these type of events, when it's like a main event, when you can hit like, uh, you know, this is an $8,500 to $1.3 million win. That's like, it's just a crazy return. I mean, that, that's got to be one of the, a significant win in your career in terms of, you know, hitting yeah, like a talk about that. Yeah, the lower buying ones are the, the big first prize. The main events are always the ones you want to win really because, you know, more often than not, you're going to have a bigger piece in yourself. And that's what we basically what happened. Um, yeah, it went really smoothly through that tournament. Um, just cruising, building chips, building chips, like never was all in the whole tournament. Went to the final with uh, chip lead. And it was actually a delayed final as well. Um, it was six weeks delayed final. So I could like fly all my friends and my family in to watch me. And, you know, for them to all be there when I won, you know, and triumphed. It's like it was. It was nothing better, really. It's probably like the highlight of my whole poker career, really. Um, yeah, it was very nice, special, and it's um, sticks with me. Like, um, yeah. And so that was that was a great event. I think I heard they're bringing it back. Actually, I just spoke to someone at Rosadoff, and they're saying part two. She's going to be back now. So, uh, I don't what know if it's happened. Happened. Was there some scandal or something or some incident? Yeah, there? yeah. But apparently, it's going to be in Cannes again, and they're going to do it again. Um, I don't know if they're using the same branding. I think they are, but like it's a different set of people organising it. Um, I don't know. It seems, it seems pretty brave after last time, but I think I'd just brand a whole new event if I was them because it kind of got, you know, the reputation. I, I don't remember what happened. I, I just remember like something issue there. I, I don't know, like cheating, signalling to his friends. Like I think it was like aces, kings, queens. Depends where he touched. I could be wrong on that, but like that's what I yeah. see year after it happened to me and then there was some other like problem where they uh, guaranteed a certain amount of money and wasn't paying it and then the players all kicked off and they decided to do it there was yeah there was a few things that came up that okay. was questionable well, I can't fair enough all I know you got the 1.3 no no issue there so you got paid yeah. and you, you hit a win that's a signature win you say that's the signature of your career before I don't want to make this all about the hen and mob but we do I do want to scroll up to 2012 because this is I mean this is the Partouche is a signature personal when you took first. It's a you know a small buy-in, big payout. Smaller buy-in, that's small, but in the in the scheme of things. But then the big big one for one drop. I mean, this was a you know this was this was when it happened. It was just there was nothing. I don't think there was even a five hundred k before. So they had a million dollar event in Vegas. One million big one for one drop. And you end up taking second for $10 million to a good friend of ours, uh, Antonio Esfandiari, and, as, you know, Burning Man. We've all been to Burning Man together. Uh, we yeah. shared in the same camp in 2014. I think that was your first year, right, 2014? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Antonio was trying to get me to go for so long. He was trying me to get too. me to go. Two years, he's trying to get me to go. Me too. He exactly yeah. same thing. And now I, you know, I, met, now I got, met my wife and, and baby from it. You, you know, we, we, yeah, yeah. we walked by in the middle of the desert there. So that, that was that trip, 2014. Um, yeah, so was, okay. I'll pay for you to go. I'll pay for you to go. Yes, he was peppering me that much to go. I turned around to him and said to him, Have you got a bet that you can get me to Burning Man? Because like, he was peppering me that much. And yeah. then I, was, I don't want to go. It's not for me. I don't like the sand. I want to get a shower. I want to get in bed. And, and then he said to me, like, Just trust me. And I was like, You know what? Like, he seems like he's got a good taste. He seems pretty happy in life. Like, you know, I'm just going to give him a spin and just trust him. And I went there and I was just literally blown away. And uh, yeah, it changed my life in a way as well. I changed the person I am, like, um, learned a lot about myself. And uh, yeah, I'm, I never regret it. I owe him one for that. Yeah, we can say. That would be great. Beating me heads up, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 
the but so speaking this was now 2012 but tell me about this to fire a million because this is this is pretty serious like i think i saw a documentary or part of some special on this but you know how did this come about how long did you know you were going to play the million before was it like kind of like wow did you have to sit back and say are you just like no i want this i want to do it or was it sort of like you, I mean, because that, that is intimidating. I know Antonio, who won the event, wasn't going to play until like two or three days before. And he started like making a few calls and kind of round up the money real quick. But it's, it's, uh, were you, was this like when you heard about it, you knew you were playing? When you heard about it, were you like, wow, I'd love to play, but you know, it's a million? Or how, how did this kind of unfold for you? Um, I was, I was had a good relationship with Matchbook back then. I knew the owner very well. He's a wealthy guy. Uh, he was uh, either staking me or taking huge pieces of me in, in, in these games. And things was going really well. We had a good relationship. I made him a lot of money. Um, so, you know, and when the, the one dropped in out, you know, they didn't even hesitate. It was like, boom, they was almost excited for it. Um, and obviously when they put, like, took uh, pieces of me in these, like, 250Ks and 100Ks before, it had gone really well. It's when they'd been aggressive and took shots at bigger tournaments. So, uh, yeah, they never hesitated. They said, you're in. That was exciting, knowing it's coming up and I'm in and I've got, you know, it's something to look forward to. Um, and yeah, I put a lot of work into that. I was thinking about it every day, like thinking it was going to be playing against like YouTubing the players in there and like, trying to get as much information as I could on them. Um, and so as far as preparation goes, that was like the best uh, preparation I'd ever put into a tournament. Um, so which helped a lot. Um, and you know, something I probably could do better these days. If I, Before I'm playing big tournaments, I could prepare a little bit better. Um, but it's difficult when... Your motivation's not as there as much. It is, it went, when the 250, when the million just um, was on and the 250k on, I prepared well for these, but the outside of that, I'm not preparing as well as I should. But yeah, it was really exciting. And obviously, I knew Guy was doing it. He was a legend, like a massive life legend. He's uh, started from nothing, built built the biggest show in the world, gives loads of money to charity, like parties well, his family man. Like, so he was doing it. I knew it'd be a great show, and it was. It was like an all round perfect event, other than I didn't win. <laughs> Right. Yeah. It's, uh, that's, I mean, it's pretty, pretty phenomenal to get there, to get it done. I remember, you know, the, the, just the excitement of that event, they did get this, I think 48, it was, or 42 or 48 sold out or they, they did. Yeah. yeah. So pretty crazy, really, you know, special to get that. You actually, you had a, you had a nice little stretch there with three, basically seven figure scores in a row. You had the 10 million, then you went to Hong Kong, it looks like, or yeah, look, maybe in yeah, Macau. I'm sorry, not Hong Kong, but you had a million, took seventh and one there. And then you, that's when you did win the two million for the Aussie millions right after that as well. So pretty, pretty big stretch. You took second in Premier League. And as you mentioned, you're not really, you know, from that point on, it looks like from 2014, you didn't really play a ton of tournaments. Like you, you play cash games, doing some other stuff, but you know, it seems like you don't, yeah. you haven't been doing quite as much the tournaments from then on. What kind of like, put me into retirement a little bit, if you like, because I played the second one uh, million for one drop. Um, do you know the second time they had the million? And, yeah, 14, uh, 2014. Yeah, 2014. Yeah. And then I, uh, I finished day one with like 15 million chips or 40 million chips. And the average was four and Ivy was second with like seven. So I was like a, a huge chip lead going into day two. And I was like, wow, it's, it's going to happen again. And I was so excited going into day two. Uh, and then it didn't work out day two. I got unlucky in two pots and then I like, played some pots shit as well. Like, um, so I didn't play well as well. Um, and then I played a pot versus Daniel with my exit and with like 15 left, might have even been chip lead pot, like where I had aces. And then on the river, like uh, the, the top car paired and I moved all in in a three year pot. And I'm like, please don't snap, please don't snap core. And he didn't. And I was like thinking in the time, I was like, 
please, please uh, call, call, because I've got massive chips again. And then he was like, said to me, oh, you're dead, bro. You're dead. And I was like, what does he mean? I'm dead. He can't because he would have called already. He's like, you don't have tens or something. I thought he was trying to get a read on me. I was still thinking, like, just call. And then, like, 30 seconds later, he just called and he had trips. And I was so baffled. And I was like, what just happened? And I was like, in my mind, I got slow rolled hard. And I know he likes to, uh, you know, take his time on, for his tournament life or when the cameras are on, he likes it as well. But I was so steamed about, about this hand. And I was like, whoa, not in this tournament, but Surely the way the tournament went out is like slow roll with aces on the exit after having chip lead. And I was like, fuck these tournaments. Yeah, it was wow. too painful. And then um, I didn't play well. Like on day two, I felt like <laughs> I murdered it a little bit. Um, and I just thought, no, I'm not going to just start playing these massive buying tournaments um, unless I'm prepared and I'm ready. And you know what? I'd lost my motivation. I made a lot of money. And I wasn't, I didn't really have any targets. I could achieve all my goals and that I'd set out to achieve. And it was like, I was just, I realized that my game was suffering. And um, yeah, so I just decided I wasn't going to play these big buying tournaments unless I was prepared and playing well. And to be honest, back then I was enjoying life, doing things. Um, just met my wife, actually. The night that um, I got knocked out by Daniel, I went into a club and I met Mika. So, I, didn't, I didn't know that. Wow, okay. Yeah, Mika, I remember we just, yeah, she's doing some DJing now. You guys are married. I, I just, you know, you guys were a great host in, in London. I was spent some time with you guys there, and I, that's that's awesome. So you, that night, that was like a yeah, – Yeah, it was pretty crazy. Night. Night. Pretty crazy. The night that was like the worst poker day of my experience my whole life, uh, I went out and met Mika. So it was like, you know, the best thing that could have ever, ever happened, really. So I was quite, quite lucky in that respect. So it's That's crazy. crazy. We, you didn't know her before because she's from the UK and, and you were no, in she Vegas. Was just, she was just on a random trip to uh, Vegas. She just broke up with a boyfriend and said, screw it, let's go to Vegas. And uh, I met her um, after I bust the one drop steaming on Monkey Till. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And then I met her and uh, kicked in. We hit it off straight away. So like, she changed my life. So like, best thing that ever happened was, uh, you know, again, knocked out that one drop on day two, really, which is weird, right? <laughs> Yeah, it's a, that's a crazy day. Daniel like, messaged me afterwards. So I thought he was just doing it for TV time or something at the time. And I was like baffled why I'd do it. I thought it was friends. But he didn't. He said to me, he messaged me and like he said he brain farted and he wasn't thinking and, um, and he apologized. So he, it was not done intentionally. Um, so he, he apologized for that. So it was just obvious but a brutal experience for tournament. And then I just, it kind of put me off him a little bit. Yeah, I think like, he took, he ended up taking second that Dan Coleman won that year. I believe that was 2014. He was playing um, as well. Like, he was on my table, but he was playing really. He had a little time frame like I did, where he was just crushing and winning everything and playing well and, and, and putting people in tough spots. And uh, everyone has their little time frame in poker. Don't they? Sometimes they get ahead of the curve, and what they're doing is working. And uh, it takes people a while to catch up. And you know, looking back, like I said to you before, I I was naive. I thought it was going to last forever. And I, once I got in my head where I was playing at that level, I thought that you know. That was done, uh, and I didn't need to work, and I got complacent. And it's very hard to keep motivation when you think you're at the top of the game, and um, to keep improving. And this is where I went wrong. I wasn't. I wasn't working on the game. I was just rocking up. People's getting better, um, and I wasn't. And so that's then I just decided if I'm not going to put 110 percent into it, I'm just going to stop playing these massive high rollers. And that's what I did. Which do you prefer? Now, I mean, if you, cash games, I think more conducive to your lifestyle. Just rela- you know, you don't. You're not so much commitment. It's you prefer. Cash? I like a mixture of both, to be honest, depending on like, <laughs> where, how it's been going. Um, I never like doing the same thing too often. Like, so if I'm playing a bunch of tournaments, I often feel like we're playing some cash and mixing it up. And that's like goes the same for my life as well. You know, if I'm playing, um, 
lots of pool over and over and over. Like I like to go, you know, mix up, go play some poker. Or if I'm going to the same restaurant every night, I get bored. If I have Christmas Day at the same place every every year, and it's repetitive. I get bored. Like I'll never like really go back to the same place. I like new experiences, um, creating new memories. And uh, so I just dip in, dip in and out of cash and tournaments budget. You know, generally I do prefer cash games just because they're more flexible and uh, I can leave when I want. I like the the fact that when you win, you've got uh, money in the bank straight away after you leave. Um, you can leave whenever you want. Um, and then, but I do like the high buying tournaments, like the big high high buying tournaments get me jacked up and excited. And so, um, like I was saying before in the early days, I always like to test myself in the biggest games at the biggest stakes. And so when big tournaments come around, like I'm always looking to dive into those and they like jack me up and motivate me. But they, as far as like main events and smaller buying tournaments, like I'm not playing well when I play them. I'm playing for fun because I enjoy poker. I'm like splashing around and trying new things that I haven't tried before just because it's fun. It's almost like practice. But I'm never really playing my best in these lower buying tournaments. So I just decided to play less. Yeah, I'm looking through your Twitter right now. It looks like you were trying. You were playing around on Party Poker today. Some some cash games going. Uh, what what is uh, a lot of debates about? I just want to get your opinion about HUDs because this has been a big debate. People thought this was going to end the. You know, it's like oh, no more poker tracker, no more stuff. But in my mind, you know, I think we've we've mentioned we've talked about it in brief. But how do you feel online poker the state is with that and and about party poker making those changes for? banning HUDs so all players are equal where there's no information on statistics. You know, you can see the big blind counter, really easy, nice feature on Party Poker. You just click and see how many big blinds you have, which really is super important to calculate quickly. But without having a HUD, do you feel, is this something, did you use a HUD? Are you are you good with this? Do you care? What, what are your thoughts on the no HUD and also the alias changing of names for everyone? Obviously, you and I are real names. We're yeah, probably, yeah. I'm always at a disadvantage anyway. Yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, I like it. I like the changes. I like what they're trying to do. Um, you know, I think pros, uh, the top pros are like crushing so hard these days. And um, they, I don't see a reason why these guys should be given more of an advantage than they already have. Like, you know, if they're using software and generally it's going to be the pros that are using the software. Like, um, I don't see why they need an advantage when they're already better players and, you know, the recreational players. Like, if anything, we should uh, in given, um, um, I get comfy, getting cramped. Yeah, so I just think that it's, it doesn't make much sense. It's just it's killing all the cash games. Um, they have big enough edge anyway, and any software like like the recreational players aren't going to be using the, the Holden tracker and the poke tracker and the hoods, right? And these are the, yeah. if we want poker online to like survive, um, these guys need to like lose less less often and. Um, but that's not going to be the case while people are using software. Um, so I think it's an important step in the right direction. Um, whether they can stop it or not, uh, I don't know. It looks like we've done a really good job so far. The game's actually been a bit better. I've been playing them this week. Um, and it just seems like it's a little bit more of a level playing field when people aren't using numbers and programs to make decisions. It goes back down to like, you know, their own decision rather than just looking at a number and seeing how, you know, how often you bet the river you know, in this spot or whatever. So it's... Um, yeah, I think it's definitely a level, a level, uh, a more level playing field again. But like, yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you. I, I completely with you. Honestly, I think for you know, even someone like yourself or myself who understands HUDs, I've used it in the past. I think it's probably more beneficial for us anyway because the the, the best 
people using and dissecting information, going to flops, turns, rivers, really looking and using the software at a different level, it, it, they have a bigger advantage. Like I've, since then, I think I've been doing much better in tournaments. I like it more. I don't have to worry about it. I don't have to think about it because I just know everyone's yeah. on the same field. To me, that's refreshing. So, you know, I do, I do enjoy that. If you want businessmen to come back and play and recreational players to come back and play on the site, it's nice for them to know that we people aren't using software because it scares the life out of them. Like it scares the life out of me a little bit. Do you know, what I mean, I play with that one, and I'm playing against other players, you know, out there that you know are already like top winning high stakes players, and I'm battling them against them when they have an advantage over me by using software. It's like you know, it puts me off playing. So uh, I just think it's great uh, move from party poker, and you know, hopefully it should encourage people you know businessmen and recreational players to come back and play knowing that they're not playing against you know someone with the software yeah for sure also the my game feature now on party pretty sweet they it sort of encompasses that with being able to review your hands it gives you suggestions it's pretty crazy i don't know if you've seen the newest the very very up to late version it's it's pretty special i've done a walkthrough on it and yeah i mean like we said rob young very innovative he's doing a lot of stuff he's making chances for taking chances, you know, like these kind of things, getting rid of bots and, and doing all these things that actually hurts the bottom line. So it's like, he's, he just, he just goes for it. You got to respect he's so it. Aggressive, right? He's so aggressive. I've known him, you know, I've known him 15 years. He's just so aggressive and like, you know, he never seems to surprise me. Like he just, he just always like smashing around. Like every time he makes a guarantee, he like wants to go bigger the next year. And he was, he's just like, I don't know how he, how he sleeps at night because if it was me putting this amount of pressure on himself and, you know, and it, I just don't know how to deal with it, but he's like, he's one of a kind. Like he really is. I've never seen someone work so hard as him. And he's passionate about poker as well. And you can see that with uh, his changes. Like he really cares about um, the, the changes he's making. It makes a lot of sense. It's for, for the best of the players, best for the businessman. And he just wants to see poker keep growing. And yeah. He's doing that. He's doing it. I agree. And now they got the 215 party million back, which is a big deal. They have the million dollar on Sunday. They're running satellites, ABCD throughout the week. Uh, actually they have an E and then an F turbo flight. And I know on the first one, you could be this, this message, which we're not going to play it out loud, but basically you could hear it. He wears his heart on his sleeve and they had a big error. They ended up paying 1.8 million. I think they gave out like around six to 800,000 extra to the player. So, you know, you gotta, you gotta feel like you know, they try to do something great and then it doesn't go super smooth and just goes, you know, make sure that everyone's happy taken care of. So. Yeah. And then they have 600 K. Um, you gotta respect that right from any poker side. Yeah, it's it's uh, we're in the right spot. I'll say that. I'm very happy. Yeah, yeah. I'm not going anywhere. I'm, I'm here. This is I know you and I have been on. We've been a part of along the years, several brands, but I know for sure this is you can I'll put this out there. It's, this is my this is it for me. Party poker. I'm, I'm here. I'm staying. I'm, I, you can't wipe the smile from my face. I know we, we speak. We, we were just chatting about this in London. We have the same uh, sentiments here about party poker where we're at. So anyway, if you guys don't know, party poker you know, is where in January, right? What's that? You know they're renewing contracts in January, right? They're not told you. Uh oh, no, I didn't hear that. Yeah, I didn't I didn't hear that. Put it in there. Just <laughs> it's not looking oh. good. I just don't get too excited. Yeah. Uh, well, listen, I'll, put, I'll still keep it there, man. They are. They did a test of the week to show like they valued all the play, all the pros, and they gave yeah. them like a rating system. And uh, we could see who was like someone valued and who was contributing the most to the site. And they wouldn't show me the list. I was dying to see. But like, to be fair, mate, I think you're safe. You're like what you do for like party poker is it almost embarrasses me. You're so good with all this stuff. So uh, no, I think you're safe. That. We're, we're on the right team. I think we're good. I hope. I hope we're all safe. But either way, I'll, I'll, keep I'll, I'll keep the sentiments no matter what. My my feelings don't change no matter what they feel. So. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, man. Well, so let's take uh, let's take some questions. I think we've basically broken down. It's, honestly, my, a lot of times, because my podcasts aren't just poker, but I find it fun to look at players in po- that we do on the you know through the podcast. Go back, like even this, like looking back at your first ever tournament, taking first a hundred pound tournament and kind of the, the ride, like learning, you know, reliving the dates, the Cape Town, super interesting, you know, the whole journey for you. It wasn't all just straight up. You definitely had some adversity and uh, very interesting, unique stuff. But I do want to look at, um, I do want to check some of the questions. Is there anything else you want to hit on in particular? I'm going to cover party poker, covered your journey. Uh, you're married with, um, you know, all that, how you met, which is crazy. And, at the night where one of the worst days, you know, busting a million dollar tournament, never, no matter what, getting a bad beat, getting cooler, getting unlucky, getting slow roll, no matter what it is, doesn't feel good. Uh, Burning Man, we talked about, obviously very special for us. Is there anything else that you want to, you know, check in on or any other projects you have in particular other than the, you know, anything in, that we covered a lot already? So, yeah, yeah, I'm happy to just go on and move to the questions. Like, uh, I've got a whole bunch of stuff I could speak about, but it's, I don't know. We've covered a lot. Let's get some questions because I know there's a lot of questions on Twitter. Okay. Also, just quickly to shout out, you will be playing the millions, the $20 million guaranteed starting December 1st. Will you be, are you going to be online playing that? The 10,000 10, buy-in? Yeah, I'm already registered. It's day 1A, I'm already registered. That's an exciting event. Like 2.5 million maybe for the winner. So you're serious about poker. That's one event you want to be in. But if you can't afford it, there's loads of satellites as well to try and get into it. So that's, you know, something I would be getting for. I actually I couldn't play it last year. I'm definitely playing this year. Look forward to that. There's, uh, yeah, it's pretty crazy. I mean, 20 million. It's nice, huh? You've got to have the underpants on if you win to get make the final table, right? Just for the yeah. story. <laughs> yeah, you got it. You got to You got to find a way in there. Sell some pieces. Do whatever it takes. So, all right, we hit that. Covered that. Let's take some questions on for Sam. So this is a lot. I don't know if we'll just kind of scroll through. Do you? I don't, do you have it up, or I can? I'll just read them out. Yeah, it's really small on my screen, but you can, uh, I can't, I'll see it. Okay. Um, well, we kind of already covered this party. Po- how long have you been playing officially? Would you say when, how would you answer when you started 2003, four or five? Uh, when I was probably 18, when I first started playing. Uh, so, so, now? 32. 15 years ago. Yeah, 15 oh, years ago. You're 33? Yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. What, what's your, what month, your birthday? I think we went over this. Just July 2nd. Okay, yeah, so we're on the same age. So, okay, yeah, so about the exact same time. Uh, Brazil or Germany? I don't know what that means. Is that maybe for football, if you had to choose a side, someone wants to know Brazil or Germany. I don't know what that's in reference. Uh, I've got a lot of German friends. I always respect the Germans. I like the way they do things. It's obviously a great country. Oh. Uh, I haven't spent much time there, uh, so I don't really know what the question's about, but like, I would say Brazil just because uh, the, the weather's better and uh, the football team's better. <laughs> Okay, there you go. What was your worst bad beat? Do you have one hand that stands out to you that you'll just never forget? I guess maybe that two point five million two outer on the river in Macau is that? Yeah, that was that's the worst one I ever had because I had a massive piece of myself because I was running well. Yeah, I had uh, pocket tens and I've raised. I can't remember the amount, so I'll just to say it uh, roughly. But I've raised uh, cut cut off. Um, I'll not say who was in the hand, but I got three bet uh, from a small blind. I called. Turn come, uh, sorry, flop come, 10, 5, 6 mm. with two diamonds. He bet like third pot, and I was like, oh, he's kind of weak. He normally bets big with his bigger hands. Anyway, I just called. The turn was there, 10, 4, 5, 10, 4, 5. The turn was an 8, so the straight was there, 6, 7. But it was like uh, two flush draws there now. 
and he bet like really big and I thought yeah maybe he's got a flush draw um, so I'm, I'm going to uh, raise pretty big so he won't fall if he's got like, or if he's got an over pair he will uh, he'll not fall anyway because he was a uh, pretty special player to be honest if he's got any of that and he looks when he bets this turn as well when a straight hits he's probably got a good hand a lot of the time so I thought I'll just raise him and get the money in now hopefully he just jams if he's got an over pair uh, and if he's got like you know Ace King suit I don't think he'll fold anyway because that's what he was like yeah. uh, and I raised massive and he just called with like 20 like 20 percent of his stack left <laughs> and the river was an offset and he and he just goes all in and, I call, and he says to me ah do you have a straight and i said no <laughs> and then he's like so i got, got indirectly slow rolled again because when i call when i instantly call i'm just looking at his reaction and he um <laughs> He, he just uh, goes, ah, I'm like, yes, boom. says, do you have a straight? I'm like, no. And he shows me three kings, and it was like 2.5 million pound pot back at the time. And I was like, I think I had like 50% of myself in that pot. So it was like absolutely spewing. And then like three minutes later, I had an ace nine on nine, ten, three, check, check, flop, turns a nine, load of money went in the river was an ace. So I had ace nine, he had tens. So I was like, got absolutely buried in, in 10 minutes with these two ridiculous hands. <laughs> so that was like the lowest point in my uh, my poker career for sure. And I was like, I just quit and looked in, out the window for about 12 hours. <laughs> Depressed in my car. Damn. That's, yeah. Yeah, that's not a good, that's, yeah. I played a big pot like that as well. I've never played like big pots like that for cash money. And it was just like brutal. That was literally the worst bit I've ever had. That's that's definitely not fun. That's those are that's grotesque. Um, okay, so there there it is. There's a couple. Uh, do you have a couple of favorite poker players of all time? Or growing up when you started, was there who kind of players do you always kind of look up to? Like, man, that's cool. Or I love like this. Like, did there any that stand out as sort of when you first started playing that you just like looked up to or wanted to be like? Patrick was one of them. Yeah, I looked at Patrick Antonius. Um, he was from a sporting background. Nice guy, friendly guy, played well. He played yeah. cash games well. He was really good in cash. I always respected the cash players more, to be honest. Tournaments is a lot of luck, and it's a bit more of a simpler version of poker. Like it's you know, like you see people with not much experience and just generally aggressive do well in tournaments a lot of the time. Um, but in cash games, is uh, is is a lot more deeper deeper stack situations, and this is like the best part of my game as well. Like turns and rivers, I play a lot better, um, and I think it's more complex bluffs, more more challenging. Like you get in spots that you've never been into too often. Uh, whereas like pre-flop and flops, which is a lot of tournament poker, is like very similar situations and um, it's more simple. And so I much prefer the cash games and because he was such a great cash game player, that's the guy I looked up to the most. Okay, makes sense. Definitely a good choice. Um, how long do you see yourself playing poker? Do you, do you, is this something you see yourself doing forever or is this like just kind of going with the, the flow? Like is this something you see yourself a whole life playing poker the same amount, less, always a little bit what's your thought on longevity and poker for you uh, i don't think too far ahead like i'm still enjoying it i love poker like i'll always enjoy playing and the challenge of it um i enjoy high stakes but not as much as i used to like i used to get kicks out of it and i used to like challenging myself and pushing myself but now once you get a little bit older like uh, you've got like an amount of money you're comfortable with it's like you don't want to take as risk as the you know the upside's not as bad as the downside if you start smashing into big games and you know put yourself under pressure again so, like, you know, if I'm honest, I'm taking my foot off the gas a little bit with the high-stakes scene, um, playing private games and playing po party poker stops. And, you know, 
I enjoy going to a tournament, seeing friendly faces, seeing I've got a lot of friends on the tour, and, you know, just playing a few high rolls here and there, playing a bit of cash on the side. And I can't see it ending anytime soon because I'm enjoying it. But, the, you know, when I'm not enjoying it anymore, that's when I'll start looking elsewhere because I always want to do something I enjoy. And right now I'm enjoying it, so I don't see me stopping anytime soon. Right. Okay. Yep. That's a, that's that's. I'm with you on that. Um, when did you realize that you could become a professional player? When did you know this was a viable career for you? Uh, <laughs> excuse me. After I'd like obviously what before I quit my job, I was thinking about it when I was like building a bit of money up, making more money from poker than I would do for like a month at work. So. Um, it was then I was getting the idea to do it, but then I was like, still trying to like, save some money up on, the, on the side with um, my, my wages. And then I just decided to take a shot. So it was like when I was probably 21, that's when I like quit my job and really went for it and attacked it. And that was a huge risk. Um, but, it, you know, uh, if it went wrong, I was happy. I still had like a, a job I could go back to and I could work for myself and make some money. So it was like I had a bit of a safety net with, you know, having some experience working. So, um it was a little bit easier to take the risk when I had a safety net of going back to being a gas engineer, if you like. Definitely. Um, which do you consider your most important achievement in poker? Uh, which which thing specifically? Um, I guess just, I'll tell you that the hardest thing I did was going broke, losing everything, figuring out why, and picking myself back up from that from rock bottom and building it up. Like that's the thing I'm most proud of because you know a lot of people would give up when they've gone through what I've gone through, and it was really difficult times. And you know, and everyone around me told me not to do it. Like my bank manager, and my dad, everyone was saying to like quit, stop, and you know you're never going to make any money. You're a gambler, and I just had to ignore everyone all the time. And like, some, like if you're like disagreeing with what everyone says, and you know everyone's telling you you're um, to, to quit and you're the only person that believe you can do it sometimes it can like affect your confidence and make you question yourself but the fact that I never question myself uh, is something I'm the most proud of uh, because I, there was plenty of opportunity where, uh, where I could have quit and could have, could have gave up but I truly believed in myself and that's probably the thing I'm the most proud of and if you're talking about results I'd have to say part two just because I think a main event's harder to win than you know say a high roller with 48 players in or so I would say the partouche is my highlight of my career, but like the thing I'm most proud of in, in my career is never giving up when it went well and learning from mistakes and just sticking with it. Beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, will there ever be a Sam Trickett autobiography? Someone asked this from the chat live here, said, I would love to have it. I read Devil Fishes. It was great, but Sam's would be awesome. Is that, do you, would you, would you do a book? Would you write a book? Would you, would you, the story of Sam, I mean, it's gotta be, it's definitely, he's got some, some, uh, there's some some stuff there, right? There's there's a there's a there's a there's a lot of stuff there that people would be very very surprised about my lifestyle, my upbringing, how it nearly went wrong before poker. I'd like a whole bunch of stuff, and like someone's been on to me for like three or four five years now, trying to get me to do a book, and he wants to make the book into a film. But um, yeah, I don't know. Like I don't. I like to have my private life, and and you know, I just question like how it'll. Uh, you know, if my kids grow up and see it, so there's some stuff in there that I'm not too sure I'd want to say. There's some my private life, some stuff's happened to me in my family, like with my family that you know it's it's been difficult. Um, and I don't know if I'm ready to talk about it yet. And I wouldn't want to do it unless I like told the whole story. Like I don't want to do 70 percent of the story and leave out you know the, the, the whole story because it's just not a true story. Then, so I have thought about it some. I even started a little bit of it. And then when it got to the, the nitty gritty part of the book, I was like, oh, screw this. I don't think it's good. Um, but maybe one day, like, it's something that 
I don't think about too often, but people have, have approached me about doing a book, but like uh, now's not the time. I think maybe like later down the line, um, I might be willing to do it, but I don't know. Okay, great. Um, how confident do you feel about the future of online poker? Uh, more confident than I um, I did, you know, six months a year ago. You know, before Rob decided he wanted to attack these games and and try and build them back up, it just looked like he was dead. It was declining. Poker stars was declining. Um, you know, and if they're declining, it's, it's a tough task to get them to build and party poker because they're you know the number one site and they couldn't even get it right. So it was worrying to be honest, especially with all the software and the robots coming out. Um, artificial intelligence, it was like really worrying, but like, so the only way you could really start building back up again is just to do what you know, Rob Young's trying to do at uh, Party Poker to make people feel safe on the line on the internet online and and just try and prevent people using the software and robots and know that you're playing against a person, which is why you brought in real names and just to make people feel safe. And I think he's already done a good job of that with those changes. There's some more changes coming up soon that people don't know about. I'm not sure if I can speak, so I won't say anything. But there's a lot of positive changes coming that I believe in. I've had some ideas myself that um, we're going to use. And I, you know, I'm really excited about it, actually. I think we've, we've got a, a shot at it. Um, some fresh ideas that's never been done before. Uh, the anti-tables are coming back in. Run It Twice will be coming back in. Obviously, all that stuff's been done before. But like, there's some fresh ideas, too. Um, that I'm really excited about. And I think it's just something that doesn't happen on online that happens in live poker is people don't arrange games. Like people don't speak and they're like, let's play tonight at eight o'clock or see you, you know, like you do it live or see you at the eight o'clock, we'll play. And you arrange games and we haven't got a platform to speak and arrange games. And this is something I want to build is like either, you know, an uh, integrated online chat for all the players to arrange games and speak and build relationships. Um, so that's something we're, you know, we're, we're discussing. Whether it happened or not, I don't know. It's, you know. it's a lot of work. But if not, I'm going to try my best to like, arrange games with people that have uh, their numbers through meeting them on the high stakes scene. And I'm going to put a lot of effort into like uh, arranging games and saying at a certain time, I'm going to try and bring some players to the games as well. And it would just be nice if players would give us give me a bit of uh, help as well with starting games. Like I often see the players now, I sit down at 25.50, there's just no one's playing, we're all waiting, you know, and... It's not good. Like I think what they need to learn is look at the bigger picture. Like if they want to get in good games and they want to even improve, like sitting around and playing, you know, a bunch of players that aren't plus CV for them. But like they, they might be just a guy just drop in and play. If the game's running, cards are in the air. You know, it's a big thing. It's important. And it's, you know, I just wish people would be more open-minded and not be so anal about every single EV in, in the game. And it's if we could just encourage people to just play longer, longer sessions and wider range of hands that would be great this is a, something else I'm going to do I'm going to try and build a promotion where like the people person with the highest VP um, will like win a prize or has a leaderboard so I haven't put too much thought into it too much but that would be really nice just to encourage people to want to play more hands and then incentivize to play more hands which should make the games more fun and better and then if you've got like an integrated chat going on it's like it would get a little, a little bit more like a, a live game where it's like a little bit community sort of aspect community sort of vibe and uh, yeah, just try and make it a little bit more fun, a bit more enjoyable. People play more hands, people chatting, people like discussing, uh, showing each other bluffs, uh, you know, and building relationships with the players. So I kind of know them a little bit more. Yeah, same thing. Don't don't think not supposed to spoil, but there is major news. Like, legitimately, going to be some very, I think, eye-opening stuff coming here shortly. And I mean, Party Poker's already done this in a lot of a lot of spots and genres, but there is going to be some cool stuff coming up here very very soon so you know keep keep yeah, up there's a lot. we're trying our best we're trying our best we understand at the minute that 
it's, it's the current market's dying, it's declining. So we're trying our best to, to fix it. But so any fresh ideas that anyone has, just obviously come and speak to me or message me on Twitter as well. So I'm always open to hearing new ideas. But that's what I've kind of come up with so far. I and mean, some other stuff that you know I'll not bring up right now. But um, yeah, yeah, so I'm pretty excited. Hopefully this can change and improve it a little bit. Definitely. Uh, is there a player that you would fight in a boxing match for charity? Does anyone come to mind when, when you think boxing? And this just seems to be a, a, a trend. People, Antonio fought Hart. You see Olivier, Bousquet, and JC Alvarado, Elke and Lex, these things like this. Box, Mizzy and Rast. Do you have a, who would you box if you had to box? <laughs> you know what? It's like, we've been doing this as friends and I've even spoke about this for years saying that this, what this should be a uh, program or a show, or you should like map, get matchups from celebrities to fight each other because people would watch it. And we used to do it. So in uh, England, back where I'm from, all the boys would uh, on boxing day would agree to fight each other and we'd like match each other up. And some of them never boxed before. And some of them had boxed. So we'd match them all up like equally and fairly. And, we used to go out, box each other in the morning, and and then afterwards go out drinking and see the day off. But like the pre-match banner, people used to rock up. We like would be like you know a hundred people just rock up at this small gym to watch friends fight each other. People enjoyed watching it, and it was hilarious. It was funny. It was almost like the worse she was at boxing, the more funny it was. Watching like a couple of fat guys fighting each other, like, like swinging right. and putting their head down a windmill, and you know. Uh, so now to see that they're going that way with the sporting with Eddie Hearn. I think it's great. And uh, Carl Froch actually said something to me the week at the table. You know when I tweeted, um, yeah, uh, just knocked out Carl Froch. Not many, not many people could say they've done that. And he said, "You realise that can start start a fight? <laughs> you you up for doing it as a payday?" I'm like, "No way, mate." Yeah, yeah. 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 That one, better than that. Yeah. One but yes, yeah, so wow. the first one to fight is Andrew Feldman. He's not in poker anymore. But like, if you can class him as a poker player, I would love to punch you. <laughs> Is he, he used to play, right? The uh, He's from the UK. Does he, he doesn't play anymore? Yeah, he's from the UK. Guy that ripped me off. Yeah, and he, then he just ditched poker and got out. It like, really upsets me. But like, I've, I don't think about it too much anymore because there's no point. Well, he's ripped me off. With my, he's from my yeah, he's, we was friends and borrowed a bunch of money and just left and said he's not paying me so far. I can't think of too many people I'd want to punch, but like, he's one of them in the ring. <laughs> Interesting. I remember seeing him on some of those old shows, yeah, that would come up or party poker. I, I've, I've read that name. It sounds familiar i can picture him barely but all right fair, yeah, fair yeah. what was your record back then on these these friendly match days did you did you do well in your in your boxing career so, so uh i fought the same guy twice the first fight we had like such a good fight and he went to the death that like we made us fight each other again but we built so much respect to his friends the second flight was kind of disappointing for everyone it's almost too much respect there and he's like once you get to a point i didn't really want to like try and kill him again like with obviously first time there was a bit of rivalry there because we'd had an argument and was trying to kill each other but the second time was a bit more friendly we drew twice but like um yeah so i've never won and i've never lost i only have two fights all right, fair. There you go. Yeah. So the great question. This this actually there was some serious uh, some information here. I didn't realize that. That's cool though. Um, are you excited? Given how much you have won, how do you get yourself excited to play events between one k and five k? This was you know, actually we were together recently at the in Nottingham at Dust Till Dawn. We were both. I, I had made. I played that day one and two online. I flew over and played. You were you were there at the event, and you actually went deep. I think you got around twentieth or so. I got around thirtieth. Um, and, and one of those uh, WPT, it was thirty three hundred buy in. How do you get excited? Because I think you were. We were talking a bit about this. Like it's kind of. It was almost like refreshing for you in a way because the play is definitely less serious. There's less tanking. It's kind of more fun. You get to build yeah. chips 
field size, how, how do you feel though? Like when you go and say, I'm going to go play at three K, how does that, how do you, how does that work for you? Depends what mood I'm in and what I've got going on away from the table. Um, so like if I've got massive high state cash games on and I go play the main event, I never normally play well and I don't get excited. I don't look forward to it. I just play it because, you know, try and run up a stack mentality and, and go from there. But so more often than not, I don't run up a stack. I just play bad. But if I've got nothing going on, if I bust a tournament, I like, I'll focus and try and go deep. And that's kind of like what happens sometimes with Dust Till Dawn because there's not massive high state cash games there. Um, so like, yeah, every now and then I'll be focused and, uh, I don't focus enough, but when I do, it's like I, I tend to play my best if I, you know, hyper focus. But like, it's very hard to get excited for like a three k or a five k, knowing that the min cash is like ten k. You've got to play for two days, like, and then I'm playing cash games where the blinds are sometimes that. So it's, it, you know, it's hard to play my best. And I'm not saying that I do get excited. So you know, I don't try and get excited ever about playing poker. Just trying to always remain calm. So I'm always just. Just, yeah, I'm not really trying to get too attached emotionally to like play before I play anyway. Right. Yeah, for sure. That's a good way to do it. If not poker, then what? What would Sam be doing if you were not in poker? What do you think you would be have be up to in your life? Um, I think I'd be like a football manager or a football coach or involved in sports somehow. Um, yeah, I just love football. It's my first passion. Um and yeah, so it's something on that path, obviously, I can't play anymore because I've snapped all my cruciate ligament up. But it'd be nice to be involved and still feel a part of the game, involved in the changing room banter. It's like the day-to-day, it's quite a healthy lifestyle. Um, so something like that. Oh, it's just anything that I'm passionate about, like maybe DJing as well. Like I do a bit of DJing anyway. Um, I love music more than anything. It's like one of my favourite things to do now is just listen to really nice music. Go out and have a dance. Like I like to dance now. I never really used to dance, but now I really like, like to let off some steam when I go out dancing and it's super enjoyable. Um, so maybe even like DJ now or part-time. She, she's done some gigs. I saw her practicing when we were over there in the UK as well. And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. She winds That's me up saying she's better than me. <laughs> it does wind me up too. Yeah. It winds me up that she's comparing herself to me. I'm like, why are you comparing yourself to me for? We're on the same team. Yeah. But she's, uh, She's good. She's really good. She's gone really well since she's had people reaching out for her from Australia, Vegas, all over, trying to ask her if they would play there already. And she's just started out. So I'm really proud of her. She's putting a lot of work you know, on the decks and she's got a gigs and it's paid off. And when she did play, it went really well. The, the club, were, she was just warming up. So it was like her first time she did it. Uh, but, this, you know, she's still got a decent amount of people dancing, which is hard to do in an empty club. So she's uh, already, they've asked her to play New Year's Eve at, um, on the second tier gig, so she's moving up. They're really happy with her, so she's she's moving in the right direction. I couldn't be more proud of her. That's awesome. Uh, the documentary you had, so someone Simon Baker on Twitter saying your documentary on YouTube is awesome. Uh, what's your biggest accomplishment in poker, and what accomplishment accomplishments has he yet to do? I we we sort of talked about the second part of that, but tell me a little about that documentary on YouTube that was done. So that that was about the one million. I think that's I've seen yeah, this. That- yeah, they just started doing this documentary. I think it was going really well back then and I was getting a lot of attention in the media. Um, cameras was on me quite a lot and Poker Farm wanted to do, and Matchbook, sorry, wanted to do a documentary leading up to the $1 million buying because it was the biggest tournament ever. Uh, so they did a lot of re- recordings before filming, before the event, how I felt, watched me buy in for the money. It was almost like they knew I was going to do well. They had a good feeling that I was going to do well. So they like recorded it in case I did do well. And then he nearly got the fairy tale ending with me winning it. That would have been been gold. But like the second place finish and winning ten million was enough to make the documentary watchable and exciting. And uh, yeah, it nearly went on TV. The um, 
Channel 4 and ITV and, and the BBC all said they would do it. They said it was a little bit too niche, so could they just add some uh, extra content in there? But by, by the time we decided to, whether it was going to uh, move forward with it, we I, I parted ways with Matchbook and it just never could really come off. Um, but yeah, it was, it was quite popular. I got a, a few people messaged me about it. It's, I enjoyed doing it really because it's like, like you said before, I don't really talk about my past and my results and my poker too much. Like, so people ask, I kind of like keep the details to a minimum and never really go back like I have done today all the way back to Cape Town. I never really speak about it like that. That's why it was hard remembering the dates and stuff earlier. So it's nice to have that little video just, you know, so I can watch it um, if I want to and show my kids one day. It's nice to have it and something I'm proud of. For sure. That's cool. No, it is. I mean, that's like why I like podcasts, why I like vlogging, Twitch, all that. It's nice to have some kind of it, it's a, it depends. It depends what you're looking for, but it's almost like a journal. It's so nice to have some sort of uh, record. Yeah. You know, it depends. depends on how you look at it. Some people like it, some people don't, but you know, that is, uh, I, like you said, it would be, that could be really interesting to do a book or something one day if you do decide you want to go and dive fully into it. You know, it's, yeah, uh, I've got a lot to tell. Like people would be surprised. So I've got a lot to tell and it's just whether I want to tell it or not. Um, so I'll, I'll keep thinking about it and, you know, make a decision later down the line, but um, yeah, for now, I'm just going to stay put. For sure. Do you have any goals for 2020? Anything? Do you, do you do that? Do you write goal setting down? Do you go fill home with positivity on them? Do you do you have your 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 right, your whole list? Or do you, how, how do you deal with goal setting? And, and do you go future stuff? Do you just take what comes? Or, or how do you sort of go really, about it? Yeah, I don't really have like short-term goals. Like I always have a vision of where I want to be kind of like in five years. This is something I've always done. Like a vision of what I want, where I want to be in five years. And then, like, all my other decisions, like, subconsciously just are made based on trying to get to that point. Um, but I don't really have any, like, short-term goals, like, I want to win a bracelet or, you know, next year, or I want to win X amount of money. Because in poker, like, it's, you know, it, it, you're often going to set yourself up to fail these goals, and it couldn't be based on, like, anything that you do because it's just a lot of luck. So it could, like, I don't want to set myself up, set myself goals where I could fail. And it just, because it doesn't feel nice if you fail when you've set goals and fail. So I like to just have, like, a vision of where I want to be. And just keep moving forward towards that vision, and you know, and that's how I've always done it. I've always done it from when I was younger. Just looking five years down the line, and, and five years maybe I don't know exactly five years, but just roughly in my head. But don't really have any goals. Like I haven't got much in my life that I like, want to do that I haven't done. If I'm honest, like uh, I want to have a family with Mika next. Um, well, you know, it's uh, other than that. Like I've done a lot of traveling, uh, so I match. I don't really know. But winning a bracelet would be nice as well. Um, yes, but it's it's not something I'm like striving towards. To be honest, I just want to be happy and, and enjoy and spend my time, make good memories with good friends and family, and just enjoy my life as much as I can. Basically, for sure. What was your biggest gamble flip? Do you remember? Did you ever do like a fifty-fifty just with a friend, or or it could have been a, maybe a flip in a poker hand? But what, do you have like they're asking, what's your biggest flip? No. I, I'm sure you have obviously some ace king. I'm not, I'm not as thick as some of them. I'm just trying to think now. Like I've done a lot for like 50k, um, 50k, and I've done a lot of like 50k six handed ones. They're quite nice, juicy. <laughs> yeah, but yeah. I don't really go past like say 50k because it just gets silly. <laughs> but it's uh, yeah, I'm not I'm not a sicko. Like I've got friends who, who flip huge, um, but it's never really been my style to be honest. 50k will get the juices gone though. That's good. Yeah, yeah. Um, very serious question here. What shampoo do you use? Uh, do you know what? I use this um, uh, natural, no chemicals product. Do you want me to go get it? I'll show you. <laughs> oh, that's all right. That's all right. <laughs> you know, 
I want to do it to show everyone to get it because it's like it's got no chemicals in it. I forget the name of it, but like I'm really into like what I put in my body and on my body is like I'm like all about natural and organic stuff. And I use this uh, one that's like brilliant to be fair. And it's just I don't know what the name is, but it's all organic and natural. Nice. That's that's good. That's clean. That's, that's look, that that answers itself. It doesn't really matter. It's that guys keep it clean out there. That's the way to do it. What is your favorite TV series? Do you guys have a a show that you, you know like? Yeah, do you know what? Game of Thrones was, but I just couldn't help but be dif- disappointed with the last season. Like, they really messed it up for me. And it was, like, annoying. And it just, like, so, that, you know, based on that, I would say Breaking Bad, just because the way it finished, I was fully satisfied. And I walked away, like, almost clapping. Um, but, like, there's some episodes in Game of Thrones that are the best, you know, hour TV shows that I've never seen. Um, so there's a slip between those two, really. Um, but So I'd have to say Breaking Bad. That was that was mine as well. I got I do love the ending. The Game of Thrones. I saw someone wearing a Halloween costume, and and they said uh, it was a trash bag with the GOT sign on it. And it was like last, <laughs> pretty funny. Um, but yeah, that's all right. So we're lying there. Breaking Bad. That's a good, yeah, strong show. Um, yeah. Someone's yeah, your favorite team, right? Someone's asking about football. Man United. I believe that's your squad. Someone asked, do you play? Do you still play football? Which is your favorite team? And do you think you'll never play poker if that sad knee injury never happened? So Miguel is very aware of your, your path here. Yeah, I still love Man United. I always love Man United. Although right now it's a little bit depressing. Uh, we're really struggling. There's, you know, our biggest rivals are number one and two in the league. So it's, well, the fourth and two. But they're the two best teams in the world right now. So it's very extremely difficult being a Man United fan at the minute. Um, but I still love football. I watch, you know, most games every night of the week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, if the football's on, I'll be watching it. Um, so I can watch any game. I just enjoy watching the game. I do miss it. I can't play anymore. Uh, I was playing five-a-side a little bit and I started getting good, picking up um, the game again and getting, um, but then I was getting injuries and it would just literally be my knee every single time. The, the doctor said to me, like, if you keep going, you may end up in a wheelchair. So I decided to just uh, knock it on the head and, and give up and just try and watch it now. It's sad that, um, the way things worked out, when actually it's probably the luckiest ever goal is my cruciate ligament snapping because then I did find poker. I was searching for something else, whereas I probably would have been searching or looking for something else to do if I'd never got injured. So I'm really lucky the way all things worked out like that um, because I don't think I would have made as much money and been as happy and done as well as I have at football as I have at poker. Absolutely. And we'll take a couple more and then we're going to shut it down. It's been, been a bunch of stuff here. I know you got, it looks like uh, wifey's calling down there too. So we'll try yeah, to get yeah. Asking what I want for tea. That's just some. Uh, we're on a huge. Why we eat right now? We're like probably eighty percent vegan right now, you know. And like when we go out to do like uh, dinner for a meal, we just kind of eat what we want, but we kind of stick into it. And, um, so it's like it's not as easy every night to find something fresh and new to eat when you're a little bit more limited than what you can eat. So she's uh, she's asking me what I want for something sweet. That's that's awesome. Yeah, no, it's good. I'm I'm with you too. I'm trying to cut it back as well. I don't know if I can go cold turkey. Uh, vegan or vegetarian, but I'm trying to. Sit, I don't to think have to. I think that's where people go wrong, right? They just think you have to be like all or nothing. Like you could just don't have to be anything. You could just do your own diet. What suits you? Do you know what I mean? You could eat chicken on a Friday if you want. Do you know what I mean? And then never again. Yeah, yeah no, that's yeah. moderation is key. I think that's exactly yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah, from three meals a day to zero, but maybe you go like couple days a week, or you know. I've never felt better. To be honest, I know everybody says it, but I've never felt better. Like. Since I've done it, I did like three months. I've been uh, no red meat for like 12 months and then like no meat for like six months and then um, 
trying to do vegan last couple of months. And I've never felt better. So much energy, sleep better, and it's like I access memory better, and I think quicker. And it's just you know, it's it's a life changer for me. And it's like I think uh, in time I'll end up like full vegan. Right. Yeah. It's that I'm with you on that. Fall trying yeah. to get on that path. Uh, we got someone also that knows about uh, wifey. Um, spinning says, is Sam worried that his wife will become a superstar DJ and he will have to play less poker? Uh, no, me. not at all. So basically, me and my wife never argue, right? Um, we just never had any sort of argument. The only thing I ever argued about was getting her to do something. I wanted her to do something for herself, so she was less dependent on me. Like She was an actress and a model, but you know it dried up a little bit. Uh, reality TV kind of killed it for actresses, so she, she was a bit unlucky there with timing, so she needed something to do, and she loved music. We both loved music together. So I was pushing her to do DJ, actually, pushing her to do it, pushing her to do it, and... Um, <laughs> Um, she finally did it and it's like after four years of arguing she finally went and did it and she's doing it really well as well so I'm actually the opposite I'm feeling like extremely proud it was worth all the arguments always pushing her into trying to do do it and she's doing it now and she's like crushing so it's like now I'm actually like rooting for her and wanted to be a superstar DJ and then I can go around the world <laughs> with her and she can make some dough as well <laughs> you make the big money those DJs so she can put some yes. food on the table for us that'd be quite nice yeah yeah, that's true. That's, that would be a good scenario. Um, not a question. Just wanted to tell Sam my wife got a whole lot more interested in watching poker when he was in the game, which means I got to watch more. Which I got to watch more poker. So someone just giving you a shout out there. That's nice. Giving, uh, giving some credit. Um, someone asked him about what do you think about bots and online games, and do you think it's a big problem in poker? How can we fight with the bots? This is something we kind of you know you don't yeah, need into covered that, but less software the better basically and we're doing all we can at party poker to try and stop that yeah and then question here what would sam say was his breakthrough moment or time period of his poker career i think if you look back we did cover this basically with the uh staking or getting yeah. staked and then going to vegas hitting the the score that, that yeah, time. yeah okay. so did cover that there's a question in russian i don't speak that um, how many times have you busted your role at the beginning of your career? So at least you said kind of once in theory, but is that, was it a one-time deal or? No, that was like the biggest roller bust. Like, so I got from like, you know, zero up to 300 or something. And then I bust that all. That was like what I consider like busting my role. So I've got up to like 10 K a few times and bust it. And I've done that a few times, like up to 5 K and bust it. But I didn't really look at that as like a role. I was always like trying to make more than that from the game. So, um, yeah, I went bust a few times, learning from mistakes, and then like the, when I bust the three hundred k, that was when it like I really learned, learned my lesson, and that's when I went to Cape Town. And I, to be honest, I always said to my friends after I made money, I'll never go broke ever again. And they always like, you can't say that, you just don't know, you can't say that. And all my friends are a bunch of degenerates. I think in no chance, <laughs> you know, they think that I'm more of a degen than I am. But you know, I learned a lot about bankroll management and, and that downfall. And I always say that I'll never go broke again. Because it was horrible, man. Like, I remember going to go buy trainers and I couldn't afford a £50 pair of trainers. My bank card got declined and I was like, what the hell have I done here? And I, so I couldn't have these trainers. And this was like, I was 21 and I'd had 300k in the bank and now I couldn't afford trainers. So it was really grounding and it taught me a lot. So um, I think you forget even the question now. I think hopefully I covered it. <laughs> yeah, no, just talking about how many times you busted your role. Yeah, loads, many, but like the big one, 300K. And then since yeah. Cape Town, never really looked back. I've never really, you know, been close, to be honest. For sure. Um, so I asked, what do you think of the millions online? That's the, uh, the 10, 20 million guaranteed, 10 million, 10K buy-in. Thoughts on that? Lovely, yeah. Like we are saying before earlier, if you can get into a tournament of 10K, 
and win 2.5 million. Uh, fantastic value. So, like, I'd recommend it to anyone to try and get in there whatever way you can, whether it's staking, playing satellites. Just try and figure your way in because you never know. Like, you've got to be in it to win it. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be in it and I'm already registered, so I'm excited about that one. So, it's uh, that one gets You don't have to try and get excited for that one. That one just gets you excited with 2.5 up top. On a tournament like that, or just in general, what's your sort of, um, I forgot to ask you this, what's your online t- about a tables you like to play? Because, you know, when, like a 10K, that kind of event, it's so special. There's so much money on the line. Was that something you'd one table? Will you fire some cash games on the side? Will you play the schedule for that day when you're online? How, how do you look, what's your Sunday schedule or uh, how, how do you like to play when you play tables online? Yeah, I've never really played. Like, I've never really been an online Sunday grinded like where I've got like ten tables. Over. I've done it like from time to time, but uh, it's never really been me. Like, just play like, really late until the early morning, and I loved it. I didn't really enjoy it. Um, but when I do, like, I tend to play like six or seven tournaments. The high, I just click all the high buying tournaments and play those. Um, and if I've got like a couple of tables left, sometimes I'll open some cash games as well, just to keep me busy. Um, but yeah, so with that one, it'll be the same. What if there's any other big buying tournaments going on on the side, which I'm sure probably people will be doing, I'll open those up and play those as well because, you know, might as well if I'm playing anyway. For sure. And let's do a couple more and then we'll let you get your tea and wifey time. All right, better, live, better live or online? Uh, live, yeah, I'm a lot better live. Deep stack, I'm better at deep stack poker. Um, so it depends really like when stats get deep online I can also play that well but when, when stats get deep live this is like my strength on turns and rivers is where I always seem to make the best decisions um, pre flop and flop is my weakest part of my game um, so like any game where I'm like deep stacked is where I'm better um, but I would say live just because I've, I've learned a lot with live poker like tells and things like that because what I've learned is like I do a lot of the stuff that people do now like I used to do it so like whatever it is whether it's a movement whether it's a way you put chips in or whether it's something you said to try and get reaction like because I've got so much experience that like, I used to do that stuff and I remember what I, what I wanted to gain by, by saying it and then like I stopped doing all this stuff and try and be as consistent as possible I remember them doing it now so it's like all little things like that that I feel like I've got an advantage with when I play live like I can still see people do, making mistakes that I made years ago so I would say that just I could pure use that experience to the advantage yep it's okay yeah i agree i like i'm online's kind of fun because you can play a lot at once or whatever it's less work to travel and the whole thing but the the whole the allure or the live events or playing at a live table with the chips and the whole you know more information live isn't it this is more information yeah. it's it's more it's more engaging it's definitely it's got it's you know it's what poker yeah it's cool but both are both are fun it's nice to have options yeah. Um, yeah. What is the happiest day in your life? May it be related to poker or not? Uh, it was a day I proposed to my wife. Yeah. Um, she wasn't expecting it at all. I'd never thought that I'd ever get married. It was a bit weird. My parents never got married and I never thought I'd get married. So it was all new to me and it was exciting. Like I'd never really had like a connection like this with someone where she actually made me feel happy. It felt like I was no longer searching for stuff. Um, <laughs> yeah, so I met her and I blew her away. Did a really nice proposal for her. Flew all the friends out as a surprise on the beach and like really it went really well. We parted off to the early hours of the morning. It was like seemed like the longest day and it was just literally the best. Uh, it was just slightly better than my wedding day. My wedding day was also fantastic, but the element of surprise on her face and like that sort of like wave of energy that we rode through the night was just like electric. And uh, yeah, that stands out for me as my favorite day. Nice, that's awesome. Uh, do you have any tips on bankroll management as you would have changed or done differently with hindsight in mind? 
Kelly's criteria is like a good one. Like I don't know if you know about that. It's like only risking five percent of your bankroll on any given spot, and then obviously reducing as as you lose to it. So always five percent. So you could like look up that on the internet. Kelly's criteria. Like I'll explain it to you. That's always a solid one. Um, so I'm kind of like close to that a lot of the time now. Um, and then I just feel safe and protected. And, and but like sometimes I take risks depending if the spot's good or not. Um, but yeah, just don't. Like, if you want to just simplify it, just say don't put the better amount of money where it's going to like change your mood if you lose. So you know, like if you get attached to your results and it's going to like, change your mood significantly, win or lose, like it's probably not a good sign. You're probably betting too big. Yeah, I'd say yeah, the Kelly criterion I definitely aware of and try to keep it. Sometimes things do change quickly, but you know it's good to get it back. Again, you get stuck. You like fuck Kelly's criteria. It's hard to stick to it, but um, you know, and I can't always say that and throw the rules in my head, but you know, it was yeah. just made to me at the time when I was doing it. Yeah, for sure. Okay. Well, we are, we are, I think uh, that should do it. We'll see if we maybe miss, I'm just scan through quickly and then we're going to give away the, we're going to give one $55 ticket away. We'll let, let me just copy and paste this and then we'll let Sam tell us when to spin. So we got over, yeah, it's close to the most, over 90 questions. Actually, I do believe that's a record. Um, I think we did cover, I'm just going to go through quickly because we covered a lot of them. Most of them. Some do of the questions. More, do a few more if you want, if you haven't done enough. I don't worry about my tea and everything like that if that's what you're worrying. All right. Is that what you want to ask? What's this guy with Stone Cold Steve Austin Mel? What's that look at? He's saying let's uh, that that's on Twitch. That was for a live now uh, yesterday. He's just saying let's do it, like uh, let's have a good day. I think let me find the let me find the the actual question because I lost the the thing here. This was okay. This is this is the thing here. That was that was a separate thing. Let me see. We'll do. I'll do one more and then we'll do the copy. This we'll do the fifty five dollar tweet giveaway. This is a record. I do. Yeah, it's officially the most questions I think on a podcast. So. Um, we just, we did cover a lot of these sport. What kind of sports <sighs> to distract? Do you take a break from poker? Do you, I guess maybe watching, do you watch it's mostly f premiership stuff or. Yeah. I used to go to the gym a lot more than I do since I've been married. I've been a bit more laid back, but like I was just speaking about this just recently, but I started doing climbing, you know, like, uh, freestyle climbing. That's really good fun. Challenging. Um, I enjoyed that so I might start getting into that and I'm just trying to find things to do outside of the gym like it gets a bit repetitive um, but like and I like to challenge myself um, so like I've done climbing um, and rollerblading is something that like I might get back into it sounds ridiculous but like I used to rollerblade at quite a high level and go to the parks and everything that was enjoyable and I went to Santa Monica recently and I you got you know there's rollerblading people down the beach it made me think that I wanted to get the rollerblades back up so that might be something I need to do but I do need to try and get back into some more exercise that I enjoy rather than just going to the gym did you see Antonio there no I, I was going to but I was with another couple and he invited me to his house for tea, but I told him he was with another couple and he was like, oh, that might be difficult. So I was like, whatever, I was with the friends and I was actually going to leave them. So, you know, I've seen plenty of times and uh, with more opportunity in the future, but I just wanted to chill out after yeah. Burning Man. Next time you're there, though, definitely got to go. He's got this crazy Burning Man, like, uh, carriage that he rides around on the, the lights and does this whole, it's like a, it's like an electric car, but it's, you know, you got, you got, it's like a chariot thing. You got to, you got to yeah. see it. There, he's he's out of his mind, but he's got a. Nice yeah. <laughs> he does it well, to be fair, doesn't he? He, he does yeah. do it well. So you can't yeah. blame. 
time. Uh, remember us and others playing Frisbee in Punta Cana. That was fun from Enrique. Do you remember playing Frisbee in Punta Cana? Yeah, I do. Punta Cana is always great. Like, it's one of my favorite stops. I'm disappointed I can't go this year. But um, yeah, I do remember across the pool, diving in and catching it and those footballs there. And that's what poker is all, you know, all about for me, like building relationships away from the table, like, having that sort of like community sort of feeling towards the game as well. And it feels like you're a part of something rather than just sitting there trying to get the next guy's money because it doesn't always make you feel nice when you're like, you're just sitting there chatting to a guy and you're trying to get his money. But like, so it's not the, the the best way to make your money at a time. So when you like spend time away from the table and you build relationships and friendships and it's it's nice and it's uh, the more more stuff like that the merrier for me. Absolutely. Uh, two more good ones I see here. Do you ever gamble on casino games? If yes, what was your biggest bet? Do you ever fire in the pits? I've not. I've been up. Um, I've been in the pits a little bit, but I've never really gone off for too much. You know, no, no more than like fifty k or something like that. Um, but like when I play uh, sports, like I, I've had a hundred on sports a few times um, and I've gone off for like, um, I've won all my biggest bets. My biggest bet was Floyd Mayweather uh, to beat Conor McGregor. And I just bet like an absurd amount of money on that one because it just seemed like the most obvious spot ever. So that was like um, the biggest, I went off by one and I've been quite lucky to win a lot of my big presses. Um, but yeah, I'll have some bets here and there, but every night it gets addictive though, man. So it's like, you, you know, I start off betting and then like progressively get bigger and bigger. And before I know it, I'm firing big bets off again. And it's not something like I really want to get in the habit of doing, um, because I'm obviously not a favorite. Um, so it's like something I enjoy doing. It makes the game a little bit more excited, but it's, I'm trying to cut that stuff out to be honest, just because. Uh, if, if I'm honest I don't enjoy it like I used to enjoy it I used to like betting massive and I got like a buzz out of it like I bet a large enough amount and I got a buzz um, uh, but now I don't like that sense of being out of control like I'm all I'm more like being in control now so now when I make the bet I'm like what am I doing like it's the game's on and it's, I'm not enjoying it because I'm just feeling guilty about making a large bet like I'm, the guilt kicks in now it's almost like I'm getting smarter <laughs> like, whereas before like I needed the buzz um, so I don't even enjoy it as much as I do so I've turned it right down now and I just bet quite small just for fun Okay. And then the last one is, are you happy in this modern world? It's an interesting way to put it, but do you need more? Are you happy with your current situation? Do you, do you have something you're striving for? Have you kind of, you've done a lot of what you want to accomplish or is there another kind of thing you want to tackle another area or, or just in the world? Uh, I feel a bit overwhelmed with like how my life turned out, but coming where I've come from and been, being through what I've been through. And it's like, it's, it is overwhelming. Like, I, you know, my wife's a great person. She's the best person I've ever met. And I just feel lucky that I've got to spend my life with uh, this person that I've met. And she's changed everything for me. I used to be searching and chasing. And, you know, my insecurities from a kid was probably what drove me to be as successful as I was. Uh, and now she's, like, filled that void, if you like. And I've kind of not as motivated to prove myself or compete at the highest levels that I once wanted to. Um, so I've lost my motivation a little bit. I'm just super content, like, I don't really need much. I've got everything in uh, life I need and I don't need any more money than I've got. And it's, it's nice to make more, but like also I want to do things that I enjoy now and try and give back with like some of the money that I've made and do things that are more fulfilling than, you know, um, outside of poker. Like this poker is good for like playing the tournaments and, and challenging yourself. And the tour's good fun, but like it's been nice to give back somewhere else as well where um, that's really rewarding and fulfilling. So like that's all I've got left to do in my mind. I would like to win a bracelet maybe. That'd be like a cherry on the cake if you like. Um, but don't really have any goals just have a family settle down and just keep being healthy and enjoying my life and just like continuing to make memories with like good friends and families awesome beautiful yeah, yeah. Right. 
Sam, we appreciate it. Let me do, count me down here. Someone's going to win a $55 party poker ticket. We're going to give that away as we kind of close down here. So tell me when you tell me just three, two, one, or you say when, and someone's going to get the 55 on your hands. Okay. When? All right. Someone just won, and I don't know how I'm not going to pronounce it right. Jesus is very, I think my friend, this guy, I think just won something yesterday as well. If I, yep, look at that. Oh, he already got it. He won back to back. Uh, this was from a Twitch giveaway. So this guy's running hot. Some guys can do it. He might have cracked, cracked the code on the. Yeah, I say, dude, that's crazy. It's never a coincidence. You better watch out. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's. that's uh, How many that's, players did you think uh, people that entered this? Uh, I can tell you it was over 100. Yeah. Wow. 100, he is hot. Yeah, he might have. Uh, might have found a found a little glitch. I don't know. Never know though, man. That stuff happens. Look at go back yeah. to back. You know, people get hot like uh, on the giveaways. Well, it's got to be easy to win it, right? And, you know, these, I mean, guess he puts himself in all these free rolls and promotions, and he's involved, so he's like giving himself the best chance. Fair yeah. play, fair play Look, to him. Hopefully, yes. he spins it up now in, in the tournament. Yeah, maybe we'll we'll see him in the 10k parlay it for a uh, ticket up to the. Yeah, yeah, we'll see, right. So, cheers, man. All right, we'll say hi to your wife again. It was great seeing you guys. Um, yeah, you right, becoming, becoming a DJ superstar. Keep an eye out for her. Keep an eye out for Sam on the tables. We'll see you online, and I'll, I'll uh, check in with you soon, man. Thanks for being here. All right, boys. See you later. Cheers, Jeff. See you, everyone. Bye. Sam Trick, everybody. Thanks for watching. Again, this is going to be on uh, iTunes, Stitcher, all the different podcast outlets, as well as you can watch it on replay anytime on our YouTube channel fighting a cold so bear with me and uh we really do appreciate sam coming on we'll see you guys soon thanks again number 32 podcast in the books sam trickett legend of the game and uh very very good friend great guy so we'll thank you again for coming and, and we'll uh we'll see you guys on the next episode thanks for listening to this episode it was brought to you in partnership with party poker go to partypoker.com to play tournaments cash games and improve your poker game Make sure you subscribe to the podcast to hear all of my future episodes.